Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. We're in this series called Go and go and reach the lost. Go into the world, preach the gospel. And this is why I've been invited to come uh, because I believe there is a gift on my life. And I believe it's not a gift of evangelism, because if you look in the scriptures, there is no gift of evangelism. There's no gift of evangelism. If you read in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 or 14 or Romans or anywhere that talks about spiritual gifts, there's actually no gift of evangelism. There's the gift of the evangelist. And the gift of the evangelist is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So I'm not here to just preach a message. I'm here to impart. I'm here to equip. Um, and, and I'm here to share some personal stories. My heart is this, ultimately. My heart is uh, to, to see Christians live a life of daily mission of sharing the gospel. Because I know, and I lived many years of my Christian journey just going through the motions, attending a church service, praying some prayers, reading the scriptures, but not living a life of sharing the gospel. And I am convinced that you will not know the fullness of your life with God until you step into this life of daily mission. And so I say all that to say the gift of the evangelist is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Each and every one of us, if you're a follower of Jesus, is a minister. You are in ministry. And so I encourage you, don't close your heart off if you hear a message about evangelism and say, well, I'm not an evangelist. You're probably not. Because God only gives that gift to some people to equip the saints. But you are a missionary and you are an ambassador of God. And so that's what I'm going to share today. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, anyone bring their physical Bible to church? I'm not going to ask you to show me because a lot of people don't. Uh, in this day and age. But if you have a Bible, open it to Ezekiel 37. I met Ezekiel who was drumming today. I said, brother, I'm preaching on you. I'm preaching on you today. This might be the word for you. Um, before I get to Ezekiel 37, I do want to read one scripture. It's this, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. This is the Apostle Peter talking to the church. So if you're in Christ, you are the church. And this is Peter talking to us. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a people for his own possession. Can I have a show of hands this morning if you are glad that he is a personal God? If he's not a distant mythical God, but he's a God who says, I've chosen you and I've called you and I've possessed you to be mine for all of eternity. I am so glad that we have a God like that. I talk to people of other religions and other faiths and they talk about this God as this distant being that they're never going to actually know. But Christianity shows us that He is a God who wants to walk with us in intimacy. So you're called to a personal relationship. You're called to an intimate relationship above everything else with your Creator, with your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But there's a purpose for this intimacy. It's not just that you would have your Christianity and your walk and your faith and just be like, I'm so glad I'm saved. There's actually a purpose for it at the end of this scripture. And it says this, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. There's a purpose for the calling. There's a purpose for the choosing. There's a purpose for the royalty. There's a purpose for this intimate relationship. And the purpose is this, that you may proclaim to a world that is dying and lost and broken that there is a saviour, that there is someone who can help you in your brokenness, someone who can call you out of your darkness, someone who can bring you into his marvellous light. Is there anyone who's thankful this morning that you've been called out of darkness? I'm just so thankful. And I was in worship there saying, God, never let me slip into professional Christianity where I just know how to go through the motions. I know when to raise my hands in the song. Oh, this is the big part. The drums are building. I'm going to lift them up. I'm saying, God, let this be real. Let the fire of your spirit burn in me. Hey, when we sing these songs, Holy Spirit come and rest on us. If he literally comes... 
We ain't giving him a golf clap. We ain't singing nice little songs. If the God who created the heavens and the earth comes and fills us, get ready. Get ready for that part where it says, fire and wind, come and do it again. When the fire and wind of God came in Acts chapter 2 and blew across that upper room and filled those disciples, they went from timid, scared, um, betrayers of Jesus to fiery, bold witnesses of the gospel. And I was sitting there in that message saying, God, come and fill me. God, come and fill this church. You are to proclaim the excellencies of him. This is what I know about us, is that we are all great proclaimers. Every single one of us are great proclaimers. Do you know that word proclaim in the New Testament is often the same word you'll see as preach? And you may have said this before, I'm so glad I'm not a preacher. I'm so glad I don't have Bronson or Gabby's job where I have to preach. I want to confirm to you this morning that you are a preacher. You are a preacher. Preacher is not about a microphone. A preacher is about proclamation. And so I want to ask you, what are you proclaiming with your life? Because we're all proclaiming something, especially in this day and age of social media. We are great proclaimers. If I was to follow you on social media and look at what you're posting, I would find out what you are good at proclaiming. Back in April, I had a two-week holiday uh, with my family, and I was really excited because we just transitioned our church from Elevation Church to The Gathering, and it's not a cult. That's just a, a name we felt from God. And, uh, and I was excited because I had a big season, so I was like, I'm going to have two weeks holiday, and I'm just going to spend it with my family and go surfing. And so the second day of my holiday, I'm taking my, my 10-year-old son, Kai, surfing, and I'm, his name means ocean in Hawaiian. And uh, so it's a prophetic word that he's going to be a professional surfer. And so uh, I'm out with Kai and I'm sitting there thinking it's a perfect small day for him to get better at surfing. And as I'm standing there looking around going, how beautiful is this life? I feel something wriggle under my foot on the sand and then bang, a stingray in the foot. And now 20 years of surfing, I know nothing about stingrays other than an Australian icon died of a stingray attack. That's all I know. So instantly level 10 pain, and I'm like, I, this is it. This might be the end. And I catch a wave in, and my son's coming back out, and we end up on the beach, and there's this puncture wound in my foot bleeding out, and I'm just like, like instantly, like trying to suck it up, but it's a good 200-meter walk to my car. And so I'm like limping to my car, telling my son, I love you, mate. It's been a great 10 years. I'm not sure what's going to happen here. Anyway, I get all the way back to my car and I grab my phone. What's the first thing I do with my phone? I don't ring my wife and say, hey, I'm not sure what's going to happen next. I start taking photos of, of the wound. And I've got, a, I've got a photo here. This is the first photo. And as I took it, I was like, oh, the lighting's not right. So I'm twisting my foot. You can go to the next photo. I twist my foot. and My son is in the passenger seat being like, Dad, what are you doing? We've got to, we've got to go to the hospital. I'm like, shh, shh, shh. And I'm taking these photos of my foot. Just leave it there for a second. I know it's a little bit of blood. And uh, we drive to the hospital. And as we go into the hospital room, they're putting pain block needles in my leg. And I'm just not phased. I'm not even looking at what they're doing. Why? Because I'm uploading these photos to Instagram and I'm proclaiming to the world, I've just been stung by a stingray and survived. God, there's a couple more photos here of what it looks like. Go to the last one. There's a thing in Catholicism called stigmata. If you have wounds that look like the wounds of Christ, you're going to be a saint. So I don't know, you leave that up to your own interpretation. You can take the photo down. But as I uploaded that, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, you're great at proclaiming, Lachlan. And each and every one of us is great at proclaiming something. But I've come to encourage us and encourage myself. Anytime I preach this message, I'm ultimately preaching to myself. That if you know Jesus, your number one call is to know him and to reveal him to the world, to proclaim Christ. So I'm going to talk a message in the moments I have left, uh, which is around the partnership that God has called us into. 
to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And we're going to look at this example in Ezekiel chapter 37, just 10 verses that I'm going to read. A little bit of context is Ezekiel is an Old Testament prophet. So the, the, in Israel, the, the Holy Spirit wasn't poured out on all people, so they couldn't hear from God for themselves. God would choose an Old Testament prophet to speak to, and they were the mouthpiece that would speak to the people. And prophets had these wild lives, they had to experience wild things for God to reveal really the state of the people. And the state of the people right now of Israel was a hopeless situation. Because of their sin and their brokenness, God had allowed the invasion of the Babylonians to come and capture and disperse the Jews out into the kingdom of Babylon. And so the, the state of Israel looks very hopeless. And you might be here today thinking, well, my situation is hopeless. And my life is hopeless. I believe this is going to inject faith into you today. It says this, Ezekiel 37 verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and he set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were very many in the open valley and indeed they were very dry. If bones are very dry, it means they've been there for a long time. So Ezekiel seeing this vision of very many dry bones means God is saying, hey, this situation is hopeless. This situation looks dead. Verse 3 says, uh, And God said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. (laughs) Such a political answer. And again he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I'll put sinews on you, bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Really miraculous stuff that God's saying to Ezekiel here. Verse 7, I want you, if you have your Bibles or your phone, to highlight or underline this. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling. And uh, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered over them. So just as God said, it happened, but there was no breath in them. Also God said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. Verse 10, I want you to highlight or underline this. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, breath came into them and they lived and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. I believe the question that God asked Ezekiel these thousands of years ago is the same question that God is asking the church today. And it's this, my son, my daughter, do you believe that I can bring people to life through your obedience? Do you believe that I can bring people to life? Do you believe that I can bring your father or your mother or your brother or your sister or your work colleague or the barista or your neighbor or your friend, do you believe that I can work through your life to bring other people to life? Because if you don't believe, this was a test for Ezekiel. I want to do something miraculous through your life, Ezekiel, but I'm actually going to wait for you to come into agreement with me. I'm actually going to wait for you to step into obedience with me where you actually are serious about what I'm saying and you are obedient and you act upon it. It blows my mind that God wants to partner with us. Is anyone amazed about that? The creator of the universe wants to use your life. (laughs) Honestly, if I was God, I wouldn't use you. I just wouldn't. You would mess it up. When my my children are like, if I'm mowing or I'm cleaning up the yard and they're like, Dad, can I help you? I honestly am like, look, I would love you to, but I'd rather you don't because it just takes longer. And I'll do something and then you mess and I've got to come back and do it again. And who here is thankful that I'm not God? Because there is God who is merciful 
and there is a God who is gracious, and there is a God who empowers us and uses our lives, even in our brokenness and our weakness. But there is a God who wants to use our lives. And if you look all throughout the scriptures, you'll see he is a God who wants to partner with his people. Look in the very beginning, Adam and Eve in Genesis creates them in the garden, says, hey, you have dominion over all of creation, over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and now I want you to be fruitful and multiply. What's God saying to Adam and Eve? He's like, I want, to, I want you to partner with me and advance my kingdom on the earth. And then you go further into the scriptures and you'll see Moses is called into partnership. All these people, Isaiah is another Old Testament prophet. And Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, I want you to write these scriptures down so you can go home and actually read them. But Isaiah chapter 6, the prophet Isaiah has this throne room encounter. If you are going to be someone who reveals this, this king to the world, you've got to know who you're talking about. And I don't believe you can really step into this life of evangelism unless you have a revelation of who he is. And Isaiah chapter 6 says this, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I want you to picture this right now. And it says, when he speaks, the threshold shakes, the heavens shake, and this fire and this smoke fills the atmosphere and the angels fly around the throne and they sing holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty ever since they've been created they're flying around God and getting another glimpse of his glory and the only thing they can say is holy I want to encourage you church that we're not worshiping a God who has long blonde flowing locks and has a little lamb and is just stroking the lamb we're worshipping a God who is the creator of heaven and earth. We're worshipping the God who is the one who is, Hebrews 12, 26 says, is a consuming fire. And so we need a revelation like Isaiah's like, oh my goodness. It says he realized all of a sudden that he was a sinful man and this angel took a coal off the altar and touched his lips and cleansed him of his sin. It's a foreshadow of Jesus and what he would do on the cross, cross for all of us. And then Isaiah, as he has this revelation of who it actually is, he hears this God speaking into the heavenly realm to the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, whom shall we send? Who will go for us? And because Isaiah has seen the Lord... He literally speaks up in this heavenly encounter and says, here I am, send me. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of our heart that we may actually see him and know who he is. Because when you see the Lord and when you experience the Lord, no longer is it just about a nice church service that makes me feel good. You are filled with the all-consuming fire. Rick, I believe you're going to be filled with this all-consuming fire. And you are going to go into your workplace and you're going to go into those areas of your life. And these people are going to say, what the heck has happened to Rick? What is going on? You're about to get touched by the power of God, my friend. He wants to partner with us. Blows my mind. You look at the ministry of Jesus, the Son of God, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Starts his earthly ministry at age 30. And what's the first thing he does? He doesn't rock up and say, I'm here. He builds a team of absolute motley crew, failed disciples, fishermen who failed discipleship school, tax collectors who failed. And he goes up and says, I've got a way bigger purpose for you. I'm going to take you from fishing for fish to fishing for men. And this is the same call that's on your life and is on my life. So when it comes to evangelism, what are we proclaiming? I think this is the big stumbling block for all of us. What are we proclaiming when it comes to evangelism? Because most people I talk to are like, oh, I don't know what to do, like, I don't know what to say. I don't know enough about the Bible. I'm intimidated. I'm scared. What is our mission as the church? Jesus says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 to the disciples. He's just resurrected from the dead. 
He's about to ascend into heaven. He says, but you will receive power. I want everyone on the count of three to say power like you mean it. Because when I ask people to do this, I'm like, okay, come on, let's say power. They're like, power. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is the God who created the universe. That Jesus is saying you will receive power. Are you ready? One, two, three. That was epic. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, Jesus says. Doing what? Telling people about me everywhere. What is the goal when it comes to evangelism? It's to tell the world about Jesus. That's it. It's not to try and prove every other faith wrong. It's not to try and tell everyone else that they're living the wrong life. It's to tell them about Jesus. And what I've learned in my life as a Christian and this role of witnessing to people is that I don't save people. That's not my job. My job is to serve people. And the greatest way you can serve any other human being in this world is to share the gospel. To tell someone about Jesus, the love of God. I'm going to give you the five points of the gospel. I didn't put it on my notes, but five points if you want to write this down. If you're like, well, what is the gospel? This is the gospel. This is what I teach my kids. Jesus came. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. Jesus fills us with his spirit, and Jesus is coming back again for the church. He came, he died, he rose again, he fills us with his spirit, he's coming back again. That is the five points of the gospel. And as you increase in your vocabulary around those five points, you'll start to get in conversations and people will say, what do you believe? And say, well, I believe that Jesus was the son of God and he left the perfection of heaven to come to earth, put on skin and bone as his own creation. And that Jesus went to the cross and he died for the sin of the world The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that Jesus was dead in a tomb for three days and then God brought him back to life. And then that Jesus said, I'm ascending to heaven, but I'm going to give you a helper. And he fills us with the Spirit. So God now lives in me. I want to snap this microphone in half because I get so excited about this. Don't, Don't ever lose the wonder that God lives in you. And then that Jesus who ascended into heaven, there's a real God-man sitting at the right hand of the Father right now. And he's watching us. And he's helping us. And he's praying for us. But there is a Jesus that one day is coming back again. And he's going to spend eternity with his people, every person who knows him. What are we sharing when it comes to evangelism? We're sharing the gospel. We're sharing about Jesus. Michael Koulianos, who's the pastor of Jesus Image Church in America, says this. He says, The message of the missionary is not go, it's Jesus. The message of the great evangelist is not evangelize, it's Jesus. The triumphant message of revival is not revival, it's Jesus. The message of the prophet is not prophesy, it's Jesus. The message of the pastor is not how to build a big church, it's Jesus. He's the message. He is the one that we've been filled with power to proclaim. This is the one that can call you out of darkness. He is the one who can bring you into his marvelous light. So when it comes to the message and the, the, the prophetic partnership that we're stepping into, that word prophecy literally means revealing the heart or the mind of Christ over people. Revealing the heart or the mind of God over people. So when it comes to the mission of God, what is the heart of God? John 3.16, the most famous gospel scripture. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. One thing we need to be captured by is the magnitude of eternity. Friends, this is not a joke. There is a real eternal place called hell. And any person who does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and have their life surrendered to Him will be separated from God for all of eternity. But that's not God's heart. Matthew 25 says that He created that place for the devil and his demons. Not for people. 
So you've literally got to step over Jesus if you want to go to that place while he's crying out saying, that's not my heart for you. My heart is to be with you for all of eternity. Another scripture, 1 Timothy 2.4 says, the God who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. God wants us to partner with him in this mission. So why don't we proclaim the gospel? Shared it before, but most of us, or most Christians I talk to, or most things I've said in my life is because I don't know enough. Or because I'm not a preacher. But I think the number one reason of why we don't proclaim the gospel is because we're afraid of people. We're just, it's a fear of man. We're worried what people are going to think. And I would have to say this is the number one reason why I shy away from sharing the gospel. But this is good news. Romans 10, 13 says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's amazing. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, even your mother-in-law, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, even your boss, whoever it is that you're like, I kind of hope they don't call on the name of the Lord. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul goes on and says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Oh, but I'm not a preacher. Yes, you are. You're called to proclaim the excellencies of him. This is our ministry now. We are ambassadors for Christ we are, this is our life. It's not, hey, I've got Jesus plus my nice, comfortable life. No, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And this life I now live, I live in faith in Him, empowered by the Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and wake us up as the church in Australia. People are going to spend eternity separated from Christ. And I've realized the good news is only good news if it gets there in time. You carry the seed of revival, the gospel. And so it's time for us as the church to stop focusing on all the wrong things. And I know in this state, you had the hardest time in the world when it comes to COVID. We're talking about it last night over dinner. You just feel the cloud of depression coming in where we're like, ugh. But it's actually time to stop focusing on the wrong things. Who's the Antichrist? Is it the government? That's the It's Bill Gates. Bill Gates is the Antichrist. And as Christians, we can go down these rabbit holes. Now, I'm not saying there are some wicked, evil things going on in the world. There is. But the Bible tells us that. It says the days will get darker. They will get more evil. So as Christians, we shouldn't be shocked. We've just not got to make that our main focus. We've got to make the focus sharing the gospel, telling people about Jesus. As Christians, we've got to stop focusing on the other church down the road that's rigid and all about teaching and they're just so serious. And that church is like, well, they're just weird and they're worshipping without shoes on and they're praying in tongues. And while Christians are talking about all that stuff, someone somewhere right now outside of these walls is literally face-to-face -face sharing the gospel and seeing someone go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Why? Because God wants to partner with His people. What I've realized in my life is God doesn't flow through the most gifted or the most talented people. He flows through the most available. Let me ask a question. Are you available for God to use your life? Are you available? Oh, look, you don't understand what's going on in my world. You don't know how hard it is to be a parent of young children. You don't know how busy I am at work. We can say all those things. But God is still saying, my son or my daughter, do you believe... I can bring people back to life through you. So as I close, two things. How do we live in prophetic partnership with God? How do we actually walk this thing out every single day to stand when I order my coffee at the barista and say, hey, just before I leave, I've just got to ask you a question. Do you know Jesus loves you? First one, how do we step into this partnership? We've got to understand that the Holy Spirit is the master evangelist. And he's actually just setting us up. This is something that I've learned in my life, that God is sovereign over his mission. Look at this, Ezekiel 37 verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me and he brought me out. 
This is what I've realized about this story is Ezekiel didn't say, man, this is a desolate, bad situation. I'm going to go to God and I'm going to plead with God that he needs to move. No, God came to Ezekiel and said, hey, I'm going to bring you out to show you that I'm going to move in this situation. So if you understand that the mission of God actually rests on him and that he just wants to partner with you, wants to call you into this place, it takes the pressure right off. And I know a number of years ago, I was uh, traveling through America with some friends and we're checking out some churches over there. And as we're looking at different churches, I must have flown five or six different states in 10 days, all these different time zones I was flying back through and I was exhausted. But another thing I realized in America is that they can't say the name Lachlan. They just couldn't say it. So every conversation I'd be in, every person I'd meet would be this stumbling moment. And I realized with Starbucks, uh, cafes like anytime they'd say what name I'd say Lachlan and they'd just stumble like you can see the name on this this cup here I'm still not sure what the name is Luca Locker but I'd get these cups and I'm like this is just so frustrating and so I'm about to fly from Charlotte North Carolina to Seattle and it's a five-hour flight but I'm exhausted I walk up to the Starbucks in the uh, in the airport and I say just a cappuccino thanks and they're like what name sir and I just stared at him because I'm having this conversation in my head and I'm like, well, what's the point? I'm going to say my name. You're going to get it wrong. You're going to write a wrong name. And he's looking at me like, what name, sir? And I'm still just staring. And he finally looks at me. He's like, what name, sir? I said, Todd. <laughs> he's like, all right, Todd. And he writes Todd on the cup and then goes and starts making the coffee. And I stand over there and I'm thinking, Todd, so weird. I must be exhausted. Anyway, a few minutes later, I hear this person calling out saying, cappuccino for Todd, cappuccino for Todd. And I'm not responding because my name's not Todd. And finally, he looks at me dead in the eyes. He's like, cappuccino for Todd. And I'm like, that's me. I'm Todd. And I grab this coffee and I start to walk away and I take a photo and you can see it here of this coffee cup and I text it to my wife and I'm like, I am this tired. And she's like, you need to have a sleep on the plane. Well, I don't like sleeping on planes because if I'm sitting next to someone, I believe that's a God-ordained opportunity to, sh to preach the gospel because where are they going to go? Like, what are they going to do once we're in the air? They're going to jump out of the plane? So it's like that is a God-ordained opportunity. But I was so tired on this five-hour flight, I just fell asleep straight away. But I had this dream that I, f that I missed an opportunity to share the gospel with the person next to me. I woke up in a panic and I started a conversation with this guy next to me. And I always angle the conversation towards the conversation of faith. And I'm going to give you a tip. It's really amazing. You'll probably want to give me a bonus for this, Bronson. But this is, this is what it is. This is how I steer it towards faith. It's amazing. I ask this question, do you have a faith? And I literally just say that. And people in that moment, ever since I've taught my church that amazing step, the amount of conversations that come back where they're like, I remembered, I used the have you got a faith question just opens up the door and this guy's like oh look no I don't believe in God I'm an atheist and oh he had this big long story his first marriage is broken down he doesn't see his kids and he doesn't really have a faith and then he says to me do you have a faith and I'm like oh oh oh, oh you're about to hear my testimony and you're going to drop to the floor and you're going to cry out for the Lord to save you and I said yeah I do have a faith another thing when sharing uh, witnessing is you've got to get your testimony refined to a couple of minutes. You can't take the whole next two hours to share your testimony, although a lot would have happened in your life. You've got to get it refined because it's actually not about you. It's about them. It's about them hearing the gospel. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, mate, I grew up uh, going to church on Sundays, went to a Christian school, but my parents divorced when I was 10 years old, and it caused a lot of confusion in my life. And I actually was filled with a lot of questions and a lot of anger, which drove me to my teenage years just trying everything, drugs, parties, girls, the whole lot. And every time I'd have this taste of something, but I'd end up empty. And I was always empty. And maybe you're in this room today going, man, that's me. I'm always empty. And I try the success and I try the stuff, but I'm empty. And uh, I just said, you know, and some friends when I was 19 invited me down to this conference uh, in Sydney of this church called Hillsong. And I went down there being like, I'm not going to go to Hillsong conference. I'm not a Christian. I don't care for that stuff. I said, but I went there and I got ambushed by God 
20,000 people worshipping and something started to open up in my heart. I said, and each time the preacher would get up, I'd like get awkward and I'd walk out of the room. And then on the last night, there was this lady by the name of Joyce Meyer. And she preached, I can't remember what the message was, but the gospel called right at the end. She said, Jesus has been pursuing you your whole life. And she said, if that's you, and this water bomb of peace and love just washed over my whole body. My heart opened and I just said yes to Jesus. Yeah, see how you're clapping. That was not the response. I look at this guy thinking he's going to be blown away. He's just like, he's bored. And he goes, I am so sorry. We've been talking for an hour and a half and I haven't even asked you your name. And I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go. I said, look, everyone can't understand my name in America. So how about you tell me your name first and then I'll tell you my name like a kindergarten kid. I'm like so immature. And he's like, what? And I'm like, look, just tell me your name and I'll tell you my name. He's like, oh, whatever, mate. My name's Todd. And I'm like, your name is not Todd. He's like, my name's Todd. I'm like, your name's not Todd. He's like, my name's Todd. I said, prove it to me. Get your driver's license out right now and prove that your name is Todd. And he's like, oh my gosh, there's a serial killer standing next to me. And he pulls out his license and his name is Todd. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Todd, you're not going to believe this. My name's Lachlan. He's like, what? And I said, don't worry about it. I said, because everyone can't say my name in America at that last airport at the Starbucks, they always get my name wrong. And they said, what name? And I said, Todd. And he's like, no, you didn't. And I put the photo on my phone, if you can put that back up there, with Todd written on the cup. And in that moment, he's like, (gasps) and he looks and he stares and he sits back in his seat and he looks around and he leans towards me and he says, he sent you for me, didn't he? Now, because I've realized I'm in a partnership with the creator of the universe, I leant into that and I said, yes, he has, Todd. (laughs) And I've flown from Australia to find you. And I found you on this flight. (laughs) Friends, I am not cool enough or good enough or smart enough to stand at that last Starbucks and say, who will it be, Lord? Who will be on this flight? Todd. It's Todd. I'm going to write Todd. No, God is the master evangelist. And Jesus says no one can come to the Father unless He first draws them. And when you realize that the Spirit of God is already drawing people unto Himself, you'll realize every single day I wake up, He's already gone before me. So today, as I'm on this mission, there's going to be someone that I witness to that God has already gone before. He is the master evangelist. And he's setting you up. All you have to do is break out of that fear of man, that intimidation. You have to step over the line and you have to say, do you know Jesus loves you? Do you know he died on the cross for your sin and my sin? He wants an eternal relationship with you. And in that moment, you will see God breaks open in incredible ways. How do we step into this life of partnership? You understand he is the one who is drawing all people, and he wants us to step in and partner with him. Last point, how do we step into this prophetic partnership? Number two is you've got to realize God wants to do the impossible through your life. Verse 3 of Ezekiel 37, God said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? That question is God saying to Ezekiel, do you believe I can do this through you? If you are serious about responding in obedience to my call and my mission, do you believe I can actually bring people to life through you? And it's absolutely mind-blowing. If you've ever partnered with God and you've, you've loved someone, you've served someone, you've shared the gospel with them and you've seen them come back to life in Christ, it's mind-blowing. So I want to ask you the question, what would the impossible look like for you? What would it look like? Maybe I'll rephrase it to this. Who would the impossible look like for you? Who would it be? Maybe your boss, your work colleague, your friend, your parents, your your neighbor, whoever it is that you're like, it would be impossible for that person to come alive in Christ. Well, for me, when my dad 
my parents got divorced. My dad moved to Kira on the Gold Coast. And Coolangatta is like the mecca of surfing. More professional and world champion surfers have come out of that one location. And so as me growing up, learning how to surf, I kind of idolized these professional surfers. And then when I finally came to Christ at 19, I had this vision of professional surfers coming to know Jesus. And I'm like, as if that could ever happen through me. I know no professional surfers. I'm not involved in that whole scene. But I felt like God planted this vision in my life. Well, 2019, we had just finished our Father's Day Raising Legends uh, service where we gave every man in the church a pair of socks that says Raising Legends. Does anyone here have those socks? My favorite socks. Anyway, a week after I'm in my office writing a message and the Holy Spirit just comes upon me out of nowhere and just says, I want you to write a card to Joel Parkinson. Does anyone know who Joel Parkinson is? World champion pro surfer. I'll put a photo on the screen right now. And he says, I want you to write a, a card to Joel Parkinson and I want you to honor him for the incredible job he's done as a father while in the, the spotlight of the world. I'm like, what? Now, where I lived in Tweed Heads, he lived just the next street over. And when I'd ride my bikes with my kids, we'd, we'd see him. And my heart was honestly beating out of my chest. But this was so strong. When we sing, Holy Spirit, come rest on us, when he rests on you, you've got to be obedient. And so all of a sudden, I just got this card out and I started to write, Dear Joel and Monica, that's his wife's name. So my name's Lachlan and I'm a pastor in the local area. And I honestly, this is pretty random, but I just felt God speak to me and say, I was to write you a card and honor you for being amazing parents while living in the spotlight of the world. He wants, to, wants you to know you're doing an incredible job with your kids. And if you don't know, Jesus loves you and he wants an eternal relationship with you. He's the one who made a way for us to be saved from our sin and know him. Uh, God bless you. If I see you out in the surf one day, keep up the great work, keep raising legends or something like that. And all of a sudden I'm hopped in my car and I'm driving towards Joel Parkinson's house. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is stalker level 3000. I can't believe I'm doing this right now. And I'm driving to his house and then I stop in the dead end street that he lived in, the cul-de-sac. And I literally got out looking around like this because I'm like, is there anyone here? And I run over and I put this card and this pair of socks in his letterbox. And I jump in my car and drive off. And I'm like, you've lost it. You are not hearing from God. You're going to end up on the news, pastor stalking Joel Parkinson. Anyway, a week later, I'm in my office again and I'm writing another message and Ben who was worship leading he's on staff he sent me a voicemail that got sent to the church phone from Joel Parkinson and I have the voice recording do you want to hear it as you listen to this you'll hear he actually starts to get a little bit emotional so listen to this recording uh hi Lachlan how are you mate it's Joel Parkinson here I'm just going to say thank you so much for your letter um and the socks too I've I actually just read the letter in front of my wife and kids and it was it was very moving and I must say thank you. Um, keep up the good work and I, I guess I'll do the same as well. <laughs> thank you. It was, it was quite, quite moving. I appreciate it, mate, and thank you so much. Bye. And honestly, in that moment, as I listened to that, this faith just came alive in my spirit. As I remembered, it's not my job to save people. I was really hoping that the voice recording was going to be like, and Jesus walked into my lounge room and my whole family got saved. And I just want you to know we're followers of Jesus. But that didn't happen. But that's not my job to save people. My job is to sow the seed of the gospel. Sow the seed. Do you believe God can do the impossible through your life? Well, little did I know, and I'm about to finish, and now I've gone over time. Little did I know is that I was sowing a seed into that, that surfing community. Well, the next year, 2020 hit, and all churches are closed, as we know, church buildings. But the church wasn't closed. Because this isn't the church. We're the church as the people. And all of a sudden, this guy who had just recently joined the church before COVID happened, his name was Simon, and he was a surf filmer videographer who filmed and made all surf movies for all these guys and he'd recently come to Christ and he he texted me in about July 2020 he said hey mate when a church service is opening back up 
because Dingo, if you don't know who Dingo is, it's Dean Morrison. There are three main Cooley kids from Coolangatta, Joel Parkinson, Mick Fanning and Dean Morrison, who were the main popular um, guys in that era. He says, Dingo's going through a really hard time and I think a church service would help him. And I replied and said, mate, do not wait for a church service to reach someone. If he's going through a hard time, let's go catch up with him. And he replies and says, I don't feel confident or comfortable to witness to my friend. I said, well, pass me his number and I'll, I'll text him. So I get his number. I say, hey, Dingo, this is my name. Uh, got your number from Simon. And I, he said, you're going through a hard time. And if you ever want to catch up with me, I was at a cafe as I sent this. I said, I'm at this cafe right now but you just let me know. If you ever want to catch up, I'm more than happy to talk. I get a reply in like 30 seconds and he says, I'll meet you anywhere in five minutes. And in that moment, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm about to have coffee with Dingo. This is amazing. And I'm like trying to find a nice cool position to sit in in the cafe because I'm like, I'm going to have coffee with Dingo. I've looked at these guys my whole life, like idolizing them thinking, I love these pro surfers. I'm going to have coffee with Dingo. And I thought, God, you're amazing. And I thought, this is amazing, God. Whatever happens here, if I have to go on surf trips around the world with Dingo to love and serve Him, I will carry that cross. I'll bear that cross for you, Lord. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And He says, I haven't set this up for you just to be friends with Him. I've set this up for you to tell Him about me. And honestly, this cloak of boldness came over me. Because you need the Spirit of God. You can't do it without Him. That's why Jesus said, I won't leave you. I'll fill you with power so you can be a witness. And all of a sudden, this boldness came over me. And Dingo walks in. He sits down. He's eyeballing me. And I see this man who is empty and broken. And I said, tell me a story. His partner had just cheated on him, had left him. He's now got his son. And he's literally considering taking his life. He says, I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking of ways of how I'm going to do it. And I just see this man, I just said, Dingo, no matter the success, no matter the amount of money, no matter the girls, no matter the fame, all of that cannot satisfy you. And you know that right now, you're experiencing it. I said, the only one that you can find satisfaction and fullness in is Jesus. And my friend, Jesus loves you so much. He died for you and He died for me on the cross for our sin so that we could be reconnected into this relationship with Him. And these tears start to well up in his eyes, but he didn't surrender his life right there and then. But a week later, on a Saturday night, my phone starts ringing and dingo. So I go and answer it and he's broken. And at the end of this conversation, he tells me, Locke, that Jesus you told me about last week, I can't get him off my mind. I feel like I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And right there on the phone, I got to lead Dingo, Dean Morrison to the Lord. And then a couple of months later, I was able to baptize Dingo out the front of my house in COVID when you weren't allowed in church services. And as I share that story, I am filled with hope that no one is too lost. No one is too lost that they cannot be found by the God who opens the heart of man and calls His people into partnership to share the Gospel. Now, I don't know what your story is. You might sit there and say, but Locke, I've tried. I want to say, keep, keep sowing the seed. Keep sharing the Gospel. Keep serving. Keep loving. Keep proclaiming. Keep prophesying. Because as we see here, Ezekiel 37 verse 10, so I prophesied as He commanded me, breath came into them and they lived and they stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. This is what will happen in this nation if the church gets serious about this mission. As we step in and we're filled with the Spirit and we proclaim the Gospel, people will come back to life. So if you're serious right now about the mission that God has called you to, you're serious and you're saying, I'm done with comfortable Christianity. I'm done just going through the motions. I want a fresh impartation of God in my life. I want boldness. I want fear to break off. I want intimidation to break off. God, raise me up and use me. If you're serious, I want you to stand on your feet right now. If you're serious about it and you're saying, God, use me. God, use me.
He doesn't use the most gifted. He doesn't use the most talented. He uses the available. Are you available for Him? Just close your eyes right now. Holy Spirit is bringing people back to life. I've gone a little bit over time, but I feel this is an important moment right now. This is an important moment right now. Just as our eyes are closed and we're responding to God right now, before I pray for people who are serious about stepping into the mission, I wanna give a call to anyone who might be in this room who does not know Jesus as their personal Lord and Saviour. Like I said before, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus came that we may have life and have it abundantly. Sin means to miss the mark of God's holy standard. Every single one of us has missed the mark. Every single one. We've all failed. We've all fallen short. But God loves you so much that He came and He died on that cross and He took the the judgment of sin from the perfect holy God on Himself so that you could be redeemed. If If you hear nothing else, if you don't know Jesus today, you don't hear anything else, hear this. He loves you. He came for you. He died for you. He rose again for you. He loves you. Friend, do not stay in your sin. Do not stay there. Do not be separated from God. He made a way for you to be safe. Step into the fullness of life. If that's you right now, as you listen to the sound of my voice, your heart may be beating because the Holy Spirit is knocking on the door of your heart saying, I'm here. This is the reason you were made. It was to know me. If that is you right now, all across this room, I just want to know who you are. Would you raise your hand nice and high so I know who I'm praying for this morning. If you're saying, Locke, today I am responding to the message of Jesus. Raise your hand right now. I believe there is a war going on right now in the Spirit. I see that hand up the back. That is, yeah, we can clap. We can celebrate. Someone right now just went from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. I believe there are more people here right now and there is a war going on in your soul because the enemy is saying, no, don't do it, don't do it. You don't know what he's gonna do. I wanna say this, I prophesy life over you right now in Jesus' Name. If that is you and today you're gonna respond to Jesus just like I did 19 years ago, raise your hand and say, that's me, Locke. I wanna pray this prayer. I wanna wanna receive Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. Is there anyone else with that one amazing person up the back right now? Just raise your hand. Awesome. Come on, for that person who made that decision, this is the start of the most incredible journey that you're ever gonna step into. This is the reason you were created. It was to know your God, your Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Let's just pray this quickly. So it's just a conversation starter. Just say, dear Jesus, I thank you for the cross. And I open up my heart and I say, I give you my life. Holy Spirit, fill me right now with your love and with your power. I receive your forgiveness. I wanna be a child of God in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen, Amen.